Welcome to C3 Church Tabra. You're about to hear a message from our senior pastor, Bill Oldfield. Get ready to be inspired to live your best life. Lord, we thank you, Lord, that you have given us the gift of faith to praise you. What an awesome head start. What an awesome benefit uh, just to be able to have this amazing grace to be able to say, God, I praise you. I praise you with my heart all my being, with every fiber of my soul, my body, I praise you with all my heart. Isn't it wonderful we can come into the house of God and say, Lord God, you are awesome. You are amazing. How did you put all this together? How do you hold it together with all this chaos happening? But God does. He's in control. Our God is worthy of all praise. All praise. Father, we thank you. Awesome. Amen. Father, we just come before you and just uh, pray that our ears would be opened, our hearts would be open to hear you, to know you. We've been talking about, is God in control? And I really feel like this morning we need to, again, just hear some wise counsel wisdom from the Word of God to prove, I believe, that God is in control. Amen. So that's what we've been doing, deliberately building into this message. And you know what? Your friend and mine, neighbor, workmate, they're really in a quandary whether to believe that is God in control. They're seeing planes fall out of the sky, all sorts of crazy stuff, tragedies, And when we say God's a good God, they wince. And when we say God's in control, they even look at us. But you know what? I believe that there's wise counsel, wisdom in the Bible. Because, see, theology answers all the the questions that people have. All the questions that people are busting to ask you. And God, it's all in the, the Bible. That's why we got to wise up as the church and have some, have some real common sense answers of why the, the world is in, a, in the state that it is. And then slowly, gently, wisely bring them around to the great love of God. Awesome message. Ollie, give it up for that wonderful message, the communion message. Yeah, we can give it up for Ollie, but that message was all about the love of God. And that's what it's about. Introducing people to the love of God. Fantastic. I wonder if you could just keep standing for a moment and the message is uh, God is in control. And this is talking about providence and I want to talk about revelation And this will be profound, man. If we can understand this message, 
I've been hours and hours sorting through the Bible, many books on systematic theology, and I've tried to condense it. And this message, man, is a huge heads up. Get this, and you'll really understand the predicament that you or I are in, but our friends are in, in trying to acknowledge God in all His greatness. Um, So, in an attitude of prayer, I just want to be able to say, Lord, open our hearts. Open our ears. Let us hear, including our podcast listeners. Lord, let us hear what you are saying to us in these days. I don't believe it's time to be shallow or be superficial, especially in God. It's time... It's time to be really to consolidating your faith, your salvation. It's time to consolidate whose kingdom you're living in. Are you living in the kingdom of God or in the world? And We're seeing God move all over the planet. The churches are rising like never before. People are being saved. Prayers are being answered. Miracles are happening. God, you are in control. And the saints say, and the saints say, amen. Give it up for the Lord if you could. Give him some praise with your hands. God bless you. Thank you, musicians. Awesome. You can sit down. God bless you. So after the Lord created the heavens and the earth, Genesis 1.1, we talked about that. He didn't abandon the world, you know. He didn't abandon it to run on its own like a master uh, clockmaker. He he just winds it up and lets it just loose and it just unwinds itself. He didn't. He he cares for this planet. He cares for the world. He cares for you and I. And he is a loving God, a caring God. He loves this world. Although we might second guess that sometimes, he does love this world and he does love everyone. He's not letting it slowly unwind on its own. Instead, he is a loving father who cares for what he has made. God's continual, God's continual care for the creation and the people he called, when you look at it, it's called, in theology terms, it's called providence. Say providence. Providence is a word that I will tease out a bit later. But basically, providence is about God who can see in the future and can see what is going to happen, and then he meets you there. And you've, you've had your own story. I've got mine. Of you know how you've been preserved from tragedy? Maybe in a car accident? Maybe... In a plane accident, I, you know, one guy says, just about, but, you know, I didn't get on, and wow. One person said, I was supposed to be in that car, but I, for some reason, the, the guy that used to cut my hair in the 60s, who was a Polish Jew, who was in a concentration camp, my dad would take me there as a young fella, he would cut my hair like I was in a concentration camp, it was very embarrassing, I used to get this, I don't know, they... they my friends said it looked like I had a bowl put on my head. It was, it was uh, you know, it was, it was terrible. 
It was not like the bullying these days. It was lightweight bullying, but still it hurt. Um, <laughs> and, and so he told me, or he told my dad, he didn't tell me. No, he didn't. My dad told me, do, do you know he was in a POW camp, that he was in one of those, you know, concentration camps in, in Germany or Poland? And I said, wow. He said, yeah. And, and he tells a story that th- they were living out on the farm in a house, and for some reason he just got this intuitive thing not to sleep in the house that night there was a family and another family all bundled up in a farmhouse bombs going off it's war-torn Europe and he said for some reason I just felt don't sleep in the house tonight so him and another friend didn't sleep in the house they slept out in the field very cold field but he still had to go with his gut feeling not to sleep in the house slept in the field during the night the house was obliterated by a bomb. Amen. And, and so we call this providence. Providence is, is three things, they tell me. It, it, it's preservation, provision. Anyone got any stories about provision of jobs? Men, you know, you're, you're strung out, you need a job for your family, for your, you know, and, and somehow you get an open door. You know what I'm saying? Or, or food, you know, somehow we had this guy called Ty McDonald in our house and, and we were doing hard yards when we first started the church. It wasn't much of a wage, uh, hardly any wage. It was no wage, in fact, when we first started. But this guy called Ty McDonald, who had this gift of faith and, and, and gift of faith uh, and generosity and giving, used to drop off these necessities of life, I would call them. Toilet paper. Milk, toothpaste. Once he dropped off some towels. And if you would have saw our towels, they had holes in them. They were really bleached, holy. And he would just do that. And I'm going, now this is beyond ridiculous. This is beyond coincidence. Amen. What is it with this guy? I think our precious friend Ty, who's going to be with the Lord now, I think he was tracking with the Lord so intuitively that he heard and was prompted in his spirit what to give, how to give. He used to freak people out with his giving. Some family came to church once. He really got it in his heart to want to bless the family. Somehow he found out where they lived. They only lived local, but he went round there with two kilos of sausages. Freaked them out. He said, how would you find out where we live? Oh, I'm not sure, but two kilos of sausages... <laughs> Well, we had to tell them, look, he's just an innocent guy. He just loves to give. He's got the gift of giving. Romans chapter 12 talks about several motivational gifts. Amen? Some people are moved by, by prophecy or mercy or leadership. Some people are moved to give. They just want to give. They just want to give. You ever been to someone's house where they just want to give? They're trying to give you stuff, you know? Hey, take this ornament. Take that, you know? Uh, or take this, no, take the rest of the cake, take the baked dinner, whatever, take it. <laughs> Julie's like that. She's always saying, Jules, they don't want it. Just let, let it go. Take this. Oh, you like it. Any sniff of liking it, Julie's on to that. God's continual care for his creation, his people is called, in doctrinal terms, his providence. Providence meaning, I said, preservation, provision, but it also means government, 
meaning when you say government, you mean rulership, rulership. There's a kingdom. Jesus said one of the first big statements he makes, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand, meaning that there is a reality on the planet right now with my coming and my speaking and my going to the cross, dying on the cross, rising on the third day, that will enact a whole new reality on the planet. It's my kingdom coming, my will being done. His goodness, his righteousness, his peace, his mercy. It's all there. Every spiritual blessing is yours. Ephesians 1, 1, 3 says, all the spiritual blessings are yours. Take it. Have it. Live in it. Walk in it. Speak through it. Give through it. Worship through it. God, you're amazing. This, this kingdom, this, all that is in it is making the difference. To live for God. But when you live in a secular way, what's secular? That meaning, thank you God, I don't believe you. I can live by my own volition, by my own strength. I can live by my own rationale. Amen? And so, what I call that is being dumbed down. Amen? The events of history happen under the permissive will and oversight of his oversight, at times he directly intervenes according to his redemption plans. Thank you, Jesus. That's how we're here today. That's how we're saved. Amen. But as we know, God's allowing himself to be limited in his supreme power and his rule. That's why we can question, is God in control? People would ask that. Is he really in control? And of course, the Bible says that he's not fully, in a sense, in control. Because mankind blew it at the start. Adam and Eve abdicated their right to be ruled by God. And they've given it over to this devil, Satan, the god of this age, 2 Corinthians 4.4, 4, states that Satan is the God of this age, influencing our culture, influencing our world, can even influence us if you're not careful. So, in this present age, as it says in 1 John 5, 19, Luke 13, 16, Galatians 1, 4, and Ephesians 6, 12, and Hebrews 2, 14, and I state those scriptures because the podcast listeners seemingly are listening to our message like never before. We've never had so many hits on our podcast messages. So we need to be explicit. So um, what, what's, what's happened? Um, the people of this world have voted not to submit to God's rulership. And because of that, it has exasperated all of God's efforts to bless the people. God wants to bless the planet, bless you and I, wants us to live in happiness, wants us to be prosperous, wants us to be in health, but we abdicate from God's 
rulership, his leadership to live a good life. You know what I'm saying? And because of that, the rot sets in. Stuff happens outside almost the God, outside of the will of God. But still, he allows that to happen. Thank God the situation is only temporary. Amen. God's working it out. And at the right time, he will deal with Satan. God's providence and human suffering is a huge question for mankind. Why? Um, Psalm 10 verse 1 says, why, Lord, do you stand far off? Why do you, can you, can you hear people saying this? Why, Lord, do you stand far off? Why do you hide yourself in times of trouble? I'm saying this. I think it, it takes a lot of reconciling to believe that God is a loving God. It's easy to say that. And we could come off by sounding patronizing. God loves you. Oh, if you really loved me, I wouldn't have been grown up with a father that abused me and and, you know, and a mother did, you know, whatever, and this and that. And, you know, if God really is, you know, loving and blessing me. And the Bible says in Matthew chapter 6 that he cares for the sparrow. But I don't even see any care from God. I don't see any provision of his care or whatever. So we can get some stiff opposition, amen, when we say God's in control. God does love you. He does have a plan for you. He does have a purpose for you. And that is our mission, to prove to them that God's plan, that God is ultimately in control, and His plan for the reason of you being on this planet is a good plan, is a good plan, and He has a good purpose for you, amen? And if we get with the program, so to speak, things would go I believe, and I'm not being presumptuous, things would go magnificently. Yes, you would have your valleys. Yes, tragedies would happen. Yes, suffering is in there. But out of it, you would look back on your life, as Ra said last week, you would get from the start to the end, when you meet with Jesus, you would look back and go, my God, providence, he was there for me. Providence is God looking ahead, knowing ahead, seeing you coming, sometimes warning you what's going to happen, but sometimes not. Sometimes go, they're going to blow it. They've got to learn. That's why I was trying to tell you about raising children. Sometimes you have to let that child stumble and fall. You have to let that student reciprocate... <laughs> from their actions, amen? And he does the same for us. History has meaning. It's going somewhere, not an endless cycle. Each of us as individuals were created for a purpose. And can we just stand for a moment? I want to just pray this through. God, you're all-knowing. You're all-powerful. Dear God in heaven, and you have a plan and a purpose. This was from last week couple of scriptures that we want to just speak into the atmosphere. 
want to speak over your life, if you think you're just bumbling through life, that your life has no purpose, no meaning, that you're just a biological accident, that you're just bumbling along and and just bouncing off every circumstance that you're dealing with. But I want to say this, you're born, oh, I love this, God has placed you where you're at in this very moment for a reason. We trust, I trust, He is working everything out. Do you love that? And the Bible says it like this. God's will, plan, and purposes ultimately will prevail. Proverbs 19.21, many are the plans in a person's heart. But it is the Lord's purpose that prevails. Can we just say amen to that? Paul says, says that in Christ, Ephesians 1.11, in him we were also chosen. Say chosen. Having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose, say purpose, of his will. Psalm 33 verse 11, Lord, we declare the scriptures, we declare them over our neighbors, over our friends, over this entire region of the central coast, that we are not bumbling along through history, that our lives matter, that our lives are in you, on purpose, in you. Father, we pray that people would get their heads up, that their ears would be Open that their hearts would be open to realize that you have a plan for them. Psalm 33 verse 11 says, But the plans of the Lord's, Lord stand firm forever. But the plans of the Lord stand firm forever. The purposes of his heart through all generations. Isaiah 25 verse 1. Let's declare this over our friends, our neighbors, our workmates. Lord, you are my God. I will exalt you and praise your name. For in perfect faithfulness, you have done wonderful things, things planned long ago. And lastly, Isaiah 46 verse 10, I make known the end from the beginning, from ancient times, what is still to come. I say my purpose will stand and I will do what I please. God bless you. You can take a seat. Amen. God seemingly works out his purpose on this earth. He will get he will he'll consummate this world, he'll consummate the ages. He's rounding it up. It's coming. It's it's happening just as the Bible said in the last days, wars, rumors of wars, earthquakes, pestilence, terrorism. It's all in the Bible. It's coming down to a final cataclysmic ending where we need to be strong in God. Where we need to have good news that God's in control. That's why this message is so important. We're not just bringing people to this, oh, God loves you, you know. He does profoundly, and it's magnificent, but the way they interpret that is not really how they should interpret it, amen? That God cares for you. He wants to nourish you. He wants to love you. He wants to preserve you. He wants to protect you. He wants to lead you. He wants you to live your best life. But we need revelation. Nicodemus, he's this great, he's a Pharisee. He's a religious leader of that day. Jesus has been already ministering. Nicodemus is a good guy. He's got some questions. He goes to Jesus uh, in the evening and he said, Jesus, I just don't get it. What are you saying? Be born again, born again. Jesus said, that's right. You won't get it with your rationale, Nicodemus. You're not going to get it by rationalizing this. You need revelation. You need the same revelation that, that Peter got when he, Peter was asked, who do you say that he is? He's the son, the son of the living God. 
Ah! Jesus said, well done. Man hasn't given you that information. You haven't drummed that up yourself. My Father in heaven has given you this revelation that I am the Son of God. And that's where it begins for us, isn't it? That Jesus Christ is Lord. That He is the Son of the living God. That He is the creator of the whole earth. And Jesus said, and the word goes on, uh, Matthew chapter 16, straight up after that revelation, Jesus starts to talk about the church and about the kingdom. Isn't it amazing people have shallow views about the church and about the kingdom when they don't have revelation? When you just come to the church, it's nice, it's sensible, and it's the right thing to do. It doesn't work. You've got to go all in. You've got to take your whole life into the kingdom, and you've got to live in the reality, amen, that, that, that God is in control. Is God in control? Has God instituted the church? Yes, he has. Is the kingdom coming? Can I see any hands? Does anyone see, despite what we're seeing on the news, ISIS and God's kingdom is coming. The miracles I'm seeing, the, the, the miracles that we're seeing, I mean, it's fantastic. Did you see that little boy, the video? I put it up about two months ago, and, and he's writhing, and he's, uh, he's obviously tormented by a devil, and they're praying for him on the altar. They're videoing it. It takes about 10 minutes. You've got to watch it. You've got to be patient, amen. And as you watch it, suddenly... He can't even speak. When they interview him at the start, he can't put two syllables together. He can't put anything coherently together. But as they pray for him, he starts to shake, starts to manifest a little bit. But then all of a sudden, he straightens up. He changes. His stature changes. He seemingly straightens up. And then they're looking. They're onto it. They see something happen. You know, the ushers and and the people are looking, go, hang on, something's happening, something's happening. And then the minister's saying, what's going on here? And all of a sudden, the boy looks and he stops because he's got this shaking and writhing happening constantly. He stops shaking. He stops writhing and he looks at the ministry and he goes, he comes to a complete peace. Did you see that? That's one of the greatest miracles I've seen. And then he puts his hands up and I'm going, oh my God, this is a full-blown dead set miracle. Anyone seen a miracle? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The kingdom is coming, but you need revelation. And even some would look at that and say, wow, what's it about? John 17 verse 3 says one of the greatest words that Jesus said. Jesus, in fact, was saying, you need revelation, the revelation of this. Now this is eternal life. This is the kingdom. That they know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. John 14, 6 says, Jesus answered, he says, I am the way, the truth, the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Now, if you go to the Bible, the Bible says our chief aim is to know God and to glorify him. Did you get that? Our chief aim is to know God, to glorify him. So here it is. Two things, glorifying God, of course, that's what we did this morning, praising Him, glorifying Him with our life, with our offering, with our worship, with our coming to church, with what we say and do during the week. We glorify God. If any good news happens, we say, God was, God was good to me. God did that. Anything that, every time we, we spruik something about something to say that God did that, that's glorifying God, Amen. 
Oh, that looks awesome. Yeah, God's good. You got a nice wife. God's good. Glorifying. The second one is, the second one is, the enjoying of God. Man's chief end is to glorify God and to enjoy Him forever. Now, I should say glorifying God consists of four things. Appreciation, adoration, affection. That's why our affections should be towards God, not totally in the world. Some people's affections are totally towards things. Maybe something, a car, a motorbike. I'm talking boy stuff now. Um, It may be in even... Our, our looks. It may be in our story, not his story. Amen? This is my story. No, it's his story. Amen? Our affection and subjection, meaning coming under his uh, rulership, his leadership, and giving him control over our life. How are we to get this revelation? How are we to get such knowledge? Proverbs 1.7 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. There it is right there, guys. Just the fear of God. Who has a fear of God? Well, you just want to be doing the right thing. That's awesome. If you have that on the inside of you, that's the beginning of knowledge. If you have that tendency to, before you speak about someone, or before you do something wrong, or before you do something that's going to hurt someone, you go, what would God think? What would God think? If you got that, man, you're doing real well, amen? Because that's the fear of God, amen? John Calvin states, nearly all the wisdom we possess, that is to say, John Calvin, he's a theologian, great, great uh, theologian, just immense brain, understanding the word of God, theologian, states, nearly all the wisdom we possess, that is to say, true and sound wisdom, consists of two parts, the knowledge of God and the knowledge of ourselves. Wow. But still, how can we know God? Um, especially, especially in a secular, hedonistic, that means you just want to, you know, you just want to party, and you just care about your own uh, pleasure, and you don't care about anyone else. You just want to just, just self-pleasure lifestyle, basically. How can people of this world ask, who is God, when they're living in a culture that is materialistic, secular, and it's about them? It's a big call. This is the only way. Revelation. Revelation. Say revelation. God has revealed himself. Now, this is profound. I'm loving this whole series but this is profound. This is awesome. The term revelation means the uncovering, the uncovering or the unveiling. 
uh, theologians would say it's the, sum, it's the summary of a comprehensive reality. Uh, meaning that how can we in our in, infinite, how can we understand an infinite God if we are so finite in our understanding? If we're so small in some respects, but God is so large, how can we even begin to understand God? John Calvin, again, great theologian, he says the final goal of the blessed life, moreover, rests in the knowledge of God. That scripture we quoted in John 17 verse 3. Lest anyone then be excluded from access to happiness. This is, this is the way forward for humanity, to know God, to be happy in God, to know God that He is well pleased of you, to have your identity in God and to be receiving his kingdom of his great love, that is happiness. And John Calvin says this, he studied the scriptures, he says, I've studied the scriptures and he says, I believe it to be true that God wants us to be happy. Is that good news? But he says this, he says, lest anyone then be excluded from access to happiness, he not only sowed in men's minds that seed of religion of which we have spoken, but revealed himself daily and discloses himself in the whole workmanship of his creation. So let's check this out. We're talking about general revelation. I'm going to talk about two, two, um, two revelatory levels. One is just general. And Paul says in Romans 1.18 to verse 20, he talks about general revelation, which God has given to us just by reason of us living on planet Earth. God has chosen. His desire is to be known. He wants to be known. And He chooses to reveal Himself. He didn't have to do that. He could have just went, you guys figure it out. But He's constantly trying to reveal Himself. How does He do that, Pastor Phil? And why does the Bible say in this scripture, man is without excuse? Check this out. Romans 1.18, and John Calvin said, he seemingly has sowed in man's minds that seed of religion, that need for God. It's in our hearts. It's deep in our conscience. But creation, the first one I want to talk about is creation. He shows himself through creation. The wrath of God is being revealed, verse 18. The wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godliness and wickedness of people. Who, hello, suppress the truth? Do you know anyone who's suppressing the truth? By their wickedness. Know anyone like that? Verse 19, since what may be known about God is plain to them. No, they've told me they don't know God. They don't believe in God. They don't want to know. If you get down to the very foundation of their life, you will find most people believe in God. Do you think I'm true? They can tell you, in, in, because they've been brought up in a, in a culture of a secular materialistic world, I don't believe in God. But really, when something happens in their life, when they really need God, all of a sudden they want them to pray for you. I've got a family member right now who says, don't need it. But when we're praying for my dad who's going through an episode at the moment, head goes down and they're praying with us. Wow. When push comes to shove, ultimately, people know 
that they are born to know God. Is that good news? It's up to us to believe in them and bring out the gold in them, to bring that stuff out, not rubbish them, not heap more rubbish on them and condemnation, but bring it out, fan it into flame, that little last piece of God that's left in them after living a crummy life. It's there. It's a little flicker. It's like a little pilot light. And I've said this before, but I love my barbecue unit when it's on the pilot light and I hit the, hit the gas. Don't you love that gas sound? Don't you love when you see your friend? Maybe God is. Maybe God is in control. But the point I'm trying to make is God shows himself through creation. But people in their wickedness suppress the truth by their wickedness. Verse 19, since that may be known about God is plain to them because God has made it plain to them. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what is being made. That means the ocean, the beach, the the stars, the sky, the trees, and all of nature is constantly giving glory of its creator. Amen? Those waves, the surfies love. I, I, I predict a massive revival of surfies getting saved because they've seen the glory of, of tubes. Like, oh my God, no, this is, this, is, this is too good to be. No, this, there's, some, no there's something beyond this being just nature. This is God. And you'll find most surfies are that far away of giving glory to God. Amen? A lot are, in fact. But there is people who suppress the truth. Another version says, in verse 20, it says, clearly perceiving. Another version says, understood and seen. Paul is referring here to the universal revelation of God in creation. When you stand on our property, because of the immense solar access over this property, you can feel, man, that God is. Amen. Maybe when you stand on your property, maybe when you stand on that beach, you can feel God is. The second general way that God reveals himself, and I'm nearly done, Paul turns to the conscience. Romans 2.14, indeed, when the Gentiles who do not have the law, they're not Jews, they haven't been given the law, they're not God's chosen people, But indeed, when Gentiles who do not have the law do by nature things required by the law, seemingly they just know that they should be doing the right thing, meaning they are a law for themselves, even though they do not have the law. 15, they show that the requirements of the law are written on their hearts, their consciences also bearing witness, and their thoughts sometimes accusing them and other times defending them. That's why when you get with your friend and their conscience is beat up because they're not a Christian like you are, just sometimes when you say, I'm a Christian, they go, their conscience beats them up. Well, I'm not a Christian, so what? Get away from me. You know you can have an adverse effect, born-again believer. Christian, can I give you the heads up? You can have an adverse effect on people when you say you're a Christian. Straight away, their conscience is going, Well, I'm not right with God. Get away from me. I'm filthy. I'm I'm not... I don't don't want to hear what you've got to say. Two ways God is showing himself. 
by creation through people's hearts, conscience. Their conscience also bearing witness and their thoughts sometimes accusing them and at the other times defending them. Verse 16, this will take place on the day when God's when God judges people's secrets through Jesus Christ, as Paul says, my gospel declares. Uh, this German philosopher, widely considered to be general figure of modern philosophy, he says this, he's not a believer, Immanuel Kant. Even he says, he's, he's a guy who thoroughly critiques arguments for the existence of God. But he had to admit that he was impressed with the hints, hints of divine reality in the starry heavens above and the moral law within. He saw clearly that many secularists have yet to see that without belief in the reality of God, there is no basis for right or wrong or law and order. And even now with the explosion of scientific discovery, there's so many scientists getting saved. They're going, oh my God, there's a pattern. There's an intelligent pattern right down to a snowflake. Oh my God, there has to be an intelligent being behind this. Even scientists are getting saved. But there is special revelation. So what's the general revelation? Creation. And what else? Your conscience. You just know that there is a God. You just know you should be doing the right thing. That's the moral law. The creation, uh, the revelation through the creation is that when you stand out, that's why people love to sometimes hug trees. Are you, are you a tree hugger? Do you like whales? Do you just like nature? And you just go, oh, now look at that little bit. We've got these little baby birds that have just been born in our bird, bird, bird cage. They're on the ground. They're, hub, they're, they're, they're all hugging each other. They're little tiny little bit, this big, and they're hugging, they're huddling up, you know, like this. And Julie just goes to, you know, water. She goes, oh, look at the little, how long have they been born? I didn't know they were born. Look at the little. That's, that's God. That's God right there. Your conscience knowing that God is, that there is a right and wrong, but there is special revelation. Guess what it is? There's a clue. Where's the special revelation? The Bible. God breaks in onto the planet and He apprehends the people, the Israelites, and He gives them a message, a burning bush, the Ten Commandments, the prophets of old, and they speak with no uncertain terms the message that God has for planet Earth, for your neighbor and mine, and then he does it again in the New Testament. Jesus is born. He becomes the living word, the living message. And he says, let me tell you firsthand who my God is, who my Father is. Let me walk it out for you. Let me do a show and tell for you who God is. Special revelation through the Bible, through Jesus, the incarnation of God himself, the incarnation of the Word of God. Amen. That's why we celebrate Easter. That's why we celebrate Christmas. It's awesome. It's amazing. But there is special revelation too that can happen through dreams and visions. Three weeks ago, a man up the back here, he said, I've got a dream to go to church, unsaved, unchurched, 
takes himself off down to Terrigal Uniting Church or, or Anglican Church and he just walks in. He's a grown-up guy. He's a full-blown, solid guy. But he said, I had a dream. His girlfriend, his wife said, tell him what happened. So I, I had a dream. So tell me what happened. He said, God spoke to me. So I took myself off to the church. And that morning he gave his life to the Lord. Last weekend, last Sunday night, p.m., guy comes in with his business outfit. I'm going, that's a bit strange. Tie and everything. Okay, come on in. He went through the service. Gave an altar call. I said, anyone want to give their life to the Lord? Hand goes straight up. Gave his life to the Lord. He tells me that his wife, girlfriend, had a vision dreams and visions through special revelation people are coming to Christ that's what I'm trying to say through dreams and visions Muslims are getting saved through dreams and visions Muslims imams are getting saved people are getting saved through special revelation people are getting saved let's all stand God bless you Father in heaven right now we thank you if you're in the house and you just feel like you've got to get right with God with eyes closed everyone in the house from the front to the back and everyone praying father god if there be anyone here this morning that needs your love that needs your acceptance that needs your forgiveness right now i pray that right now there's a moment there's a prayer i have it's a free gift of salvation you don't have to earn it you just receive it under your heart you can be saved jesus sent you here on purpose god created you on purpose and as you get with his program as you get with his life and story that he wants for you you are blessed beyond comprehension you are a blessed beyond no eye has seen no ear has heard no mind has even imagined what God is going to do for your church by the way the special revelation is through the church the born again spirit filled church The first one was through the community of the Israelites, the Jews, and now here we are, the church. We are the special revelation to our community. You are the special revelation to your friends and family. You are the the walking, talking, living message of God. You are that message. You, my friend, your countenance, your speech, who you are, your character, and your fervency in God is on display to a fallen world, to people that believe that God is not in control, but God is in control. His providence is intervening with the redemption plans to save, to redeem the lostness of humanity. Dear God in heaven, right now we pray for our friends and family. Let's just do that. Our time is gone. In the power of the Holy Spirit, we pray that our people would ultimately get revelation, whether it be general revelation through creation or through their conscience, or whereby it be through special revelation, through the Bible, through the Bible, through the written Word of God. God's Word. Or through it be vision and dreams through the the prophecy. Jesus, we pray right now for special revelation to our friends and family. This Easter, Lord God, we're praying our Aussie friends would be woken up, woken up in the night, woken up during the day, woken up to know God.
We hope you enjoyed listening to this message. For more information on what you've just heard or how to visit us, go to c3tugra.org.au. We hope to see you at church soon. Let's faith.